Welcome to the Whole Life Healing Podcast with Dr. Alexander Lloyd, best-selling author and founder of the Revolutionary Healing Codes Technique. Each week, Dr. Alex shares principles and methods from psychology, energy medicine, natural medicine, and spirituality to help you reduce stress, heal emotional and physical issues, and remove the barriers that hold you back from happiness and success. Join us as we learn to live our happiest, healthiest, and most successful lives. Here's Dr. Alex. All of you for being here. Uh, I say this every single week, and I have for 10 years, but I am so honored by your presence. I, I can't even tell you. Um, and I hope we're helping at least a little bit. Let us know if we are. Let us know how we can help more. Uh, we've changed this program considerably over the years based on your feedback. So um, we greatly value that. Uh, also, these um, programs are archived. Uh, I don't know how to do it, but <laughs> um, I am told you can go listen to old ones or ones that you've missed or whatever. There's a lot of them uh, in there, and there's no charge for that. Okay, uh, the, the, the title of this uh, spiritual law of nature is going to sound religious, okay? Sin sick. Are you? Are you sin sick? Okay. I hope by the time I'm finished, um, the way I really feel and believe about this will have come across, and it will almost by the end seem um, very non-religious, okay, uh, because that's how I see it and feel about it. Um, most of you have heard me say before, I run from religion. It took me decades to recover from my religious upbringing. I don't run from religious people, and, and I always try to look at all of those things with an open mind. Um, but I, I do believe that many religions are about power and control and money and are fear-based, Okay. And that there's a big difference between religion and spirituality, which um, spirituality could be negative or positive as well. But what I'm hoping is that we will all be moving forward to light and love and truth, to positive, healthy spirituality, not religion. That is, a, is kind of by definition a set of rules, do's and don'ts. And that's why this is relevant here. Um, I grew up with a very strong concept of sin, and my wife, uh, Hope, did too. I remember um, we would go occasionally, usually at um, vacation times in the summer or whatever, on gospel meetings and campaigns, and um, kind, of the, kind of the idea was to convert people. But looking back on it, it wasn't really so much converting people to Jesus and to love and truth and light. It was basically converting people to our particular club of religious people, okay? And there's all these different clubs, and we all do it the different ways, and uh, some of us get along, some of us don't get along, but pretty much everyone 
at least the way I grew up, felt like our way is right, your way is wrong, all right? And, and again, that's back to that flavor of religion rather than spirituality and living in love and light and truth, etc. But um, I can remember vividly many times in my life feeling sin-sick, okay? I remember one time, um, I, I think I've told you guys about this, I went into the local Five and Dime on Main Street, I think it was uh, Woolworths, and stole a candy bar when I was five, six years old, something like that. Man, I felt like I was on fire in a bad way uh, before I ever got out of the store. And then when I, you know, walked away from the store to what I thought was a safe distance where I wouldn't get caught, you know, someone seeing me with the candy bar, you know, I felt like the FBI, the police force, the CIA, and everybody were tracking me, you know, as I uh, made my escape uh, a few hundred yards away behind a tree, I think, if I can remember. But felt like I was absolutely about to die of 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 guilt and shame and and anger toward myself and tremendous fear and all that sort of thing. I remember a time a friend of mine gave me a Playboy magazine, and I was looking at that um, and and was caught by my mom, if I'm remembering correctly. And she was she was very cool about it. Didn't make this huge big deal or anything. But goodness gracious, I felt so dirty. I felt so guilty and shameful. I felt so bad. I felt, you know, uh, there were times when um, I, I told a lie to my mom or dad. Uh, not a lot, but a few times. And good night. And I, it it. It absolutely ate me up inside, okay? And uh, today we know why a, a, a lie detector test is probably the, the easiest proof of that. A lie detector test is a stress test. And, and so it measures are you in stress or not based on whether you are believing, thinking, and speaking the truth or a lie. And that's where it all starts, with the truth or a lie. I believed a lie about the candy bar. I thought this is going to make me happy. <laughs> it, it, it didn't. It absolutely made me horribly miserable. The Playboy magazine, this is going to make me happy. I, you know, I was a young guy with hormones going everywhere and exploring and, you know, thinking of things like most young boys do. But afterwards, I felt horrible. I felt terrible. I felt sin sick. Okay? And, and let me tell you, it absolutely affected me physically every single time. If I had not done something that was sinful but was still crossways with, one, with somebody who was one of my important relationships, mom, dad, brother, friends, uh, relatives, cousins, people at school, teachers, whatever, if I was crossways with someone, even if I felt like I had not sinned, that would still eat me up. 
until that was resolved. Um, it's amazing to me that if our computer or smartphone or television or or internet or cable or whatever it is is not working that in that type of way, if it's malfunctioning, if it's not if our technology is not happy and right, man, we almost won't go 24 hours before we fix that. But when it's our human technology that is not right and something like being sin sick is happening, sometimes we'll let that go on for decades. We would never do that with our phone or our TV or our car or, or almost anything else. But we will do that with the most precious thing that we have, our life. And that is a great tragedy to me. We all have an internal sense of morality. Um, as best I can tell, most of the world's experts in this agree that we have never discovered any civilization anywhere in the history of mankind that did not have two things. They did not, they did not have a system of justice, right and wrong, even if they were cannibals, and that did not worship something. The sun, the moon, God, something. Okay? Well, why? There's only one explanation. It's programmed into us. It is part of our spiritual DNA of who we are. And, and I believe it's because God, love, source, the creator, the maker, program that into us in love to help us to kind of be that internal north so that when I steal the candy bar, when I look at something in a magazine or on the internet that I shouldn't, when I'm crossways with someone, that it will be an impetus for me to make it right, for me to go confess about the candy bar and pay them the dime and say I'm sorry, for me to go to my mom after she finds me doing something and saying, hey, mom, I'm sorry, which I did and then felt a lot better. A friend of mine gave me this. I was curious. I'm sorry. Or make it right with the people that I need to make it right with. We all have this sense, three things. Write these down if you want to. If I do right, I am good. If I do wrong, I am bad. If I do neutral, I'm okay. Maybe not great, maybe not bad, but okay. Neutral is um, should I have fish or chicken for lunch, unless that's a big deal to you. If it's not a big deal, then that might be a neutral thing. A neutral thing, beige or gray carpet. A neutral thing, which toothpaste to use. A neutral thing, you know, things that are morally, they're not real moral. They're just sort of, of you know, I can do this or I can do this. And as far as I can see, there's no big right or wrong either way. All right? 
The problem is, according to ancient manuscripts, the if I do right, I am good. If I do wrong, I am bad is an old law that is no longer in effect if I am right with God. Okay, let me say that again. The if I do good, if I do right, I am good. If I do wrong, I am bad. According to ancient manuscripts, if I am right with God, then those things are no longer true. They no longer apply. I am good no matter what. I am not bad no matter what. As long as I'm right with God. And being right with God is not dependent on doing right and not doing wrong. Okay? That's not that's not the definition. That's not the criteria. All right? Um, there's a wonderful passage in um, Galatians, I believe, the first chapter of the Bible. And Paul, the Apostle Paul, is talking to two groups of people, to Jews who are now followers of Jesus and to non-Jews who are of various nationalities and cultures called Gentiles who are now followers of Jesus, okay? And these guys accepted that Jesus was the Son of God, believed it, um, went through a ceremony where they gave their life to God and, and, and confessed their belief and their commitment to Jesus, all right? But now things were not going so well. All right? They weren't happy anymore. They were they were they were they were they weren't living the life that Jesus died for them to have. Okay? And and Paul says an amazing thing in that first chapter, I believe it's in the first chapter. He says, "Who has bewitched you?" Now I love I love his use of that word. Who has bewitched you? I remember the story bewitched the the TV show Bewitched with I believe it was Elizabeth Montgomery. And man, how many times did you think, man, I wish I could wiggle my nose and make my room clean or wiggle my nose and have a brand new car outside or or, or whatever it was, all right? And the name of the show was Bewitched. Who has bewitched you? into believing another gospel. And then he goes on to describe, you've gone back to if I do good, if I do right, I'm good. If I do wrong, I'm bad. You've gone back to that old thing that's not in effect anymore that kills you. And that's what he said, the old law kills. It it was never designed to work. It was only designed to prove to you that it won't work. And it kills you. What's the new law? Well, Jesus was asked that. Is there a most important rule? Is there a most important law? All right. 
And if you look at the law, the old law, man, they had hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of you have to do this, you have to do this, you can't do that. If you do this, you're bad. If you do this, you're good. If you do this, you're right. If you do this, you're wrong. They had hundreds of those things, all right? So then Jesus is asked, okay, is there a most important thing? Is there one rule that kind of supersedes everything else? And Jesus said, there absolutely is. And it's love. And then he goes even further than their question and says, if you do love right, you've done everything right. And then Paul in another place says that same thing. And then says, if you are not doing what you're doing in and out of love, if you're not doing love right, it doesn't matter how many right things you do, none of them will be right. Unless you're doing them from and out of a place of love. Our conscience, I call our love compass, is is kind of that internal program that says, okay, this is love-based and this is fear-based, okay? So if I'm doing something love-based, I have a little thing way down deep in me that says, yeah, this is a good thing for me to, to be doing. This is, this, is, this is good. This is right. This is love. And if I do something fear-based, which, which also inherently means it's based on a lie, I have a little check. I have a little, ah, this doesn't feel, this doesn't feel right. This doesn't feel good, okay? But so many of the people that I meet these days, and it doesn't, I mean, they, they might tell you, if you ask them, okay, what do you believe about God? What do you believe spiritually, all right? And, man, they might tell you, and you think, that is the best thing I've ever heard. Man, that's, that's what I believe. I think that is right. That is in love, not in fear. But you know what's amazing is when you talk more to that person, as I have with so many people over the last 25, 30 years, there's a very high probability that they are not living and experiencing what they just told you they believe how come because they've got another belief and the other belief is winning what's the other belief the other belief is if I do right I'm good if I do wrong I'm bad and that belief will kill you the only thing it does is kill you that is the source of stress So how do we get away from that? You have a, a right relationship with God. For me, my relationship with Jesus is the most important thing in my life. I'm a follower of Jesus. And you accept and understand that that old law, do right, I'm good, do wrong, I'm bad, 
even though it doesn't sound possible or sometimes even feel possible, that it is the truth. And I'm not going to be bewitched and live under that old junk anymore. When we used to try to recruit people to our particular club of Christianity, one of the things I remember in a film strip that we used to use, it's called a Jewel Miller film strip. And um, toward the end of it, there was this I. And it was sort of related to a song called There's an All-Seeing Eye Watching You, Everything That You Say and Do. And the point is, God is just waiting for you to step out of line and whack you. Now, we would never say that, but that's really what it meant. And it was interesting because in the slide, uh, in the slide thing, the film strip, it started out as a little eye, and then in subsequent frames of the film strip, the eye got bigger and bigger and bigger and bigger until you felt like it was just gigantic and massive and was about to eat you alive like some monster in a horror movie, okay? And that's what we would show to people, trying to tell them, hey, we've got a better way for you to live. <laughs> and it starts with us scaring the bejeebers out of you. That if you don't do this, all these bad things are going to happen. Man, if there was anything ever fear-based as far as religion in the name of God and in the name of love, wow, was that it. And, and it wasn't unique to me. In fact, many people, especially the, a lot of people growing up in Catholicism, had it much, much worse than I did. And I've told you guys that since the Healing Code book came out, I've, I don't know how many times I've been to Europe to lecture Europe and South America. And every city I go to when I take a tour, they'll take me to some place, either that's at the cathedral or the castle or the some place, where they'll say, this is where they used to kill people in the name of God and in the name of love, and very often through horrible torture. Well, ladies and gentlemen, every bit of that goes back to if you do right, I am good. If I do wrong, I am bad. It's, it's our most basic, hardwired survival instinct programming. Seek pleasure, avoid pain. When I do good, people pat me on the back, tell me how good I am. When I do bad, people punish me, tell me how bad I am. I want to remind you of another story that uh, a number of you have heard me talk about. My very good friend, Todd Bell, um, grew up in a very similar situation to me, broke out of that himself, was called to be a, uh, what you might call a street preacher. He walked up and down Murfreesboro Road, this very busy road in Nashville, Tennessee, talking to people about Jesus, not banging them over the head with a Bible or one of those guys shouting scripture verses or whatever, but he would really meet people and get into conversations and talk to them. And one of his favorite things to do was go to the local bar that was on Murfreesboro Road and talk to prostitutes, okay? 
And, um, you know, after, hi, my name is Todd, what's your name, how you doing, you know, that sort of thing, he would ask him a question. And the question was, did you know that there will not be one person in hell, whatever hell is, because of sin? And um, he said he said that the the young ladies that he was talking with would usually go through several stages. Number one is they would be mad first because they'd think he was messing with them. Then when they discovered, okay, he's not messing with me, then the response was, surely that cannot be the truth. Because, see, they they felt like their life was already over. They'd been so, they'd done so much wrong that they were bad. It had already happened, and their identity was, I am a prostitute. I am, this is who I am, which was never true, by the way. With many of those young ladies, he would finally convince them that what he was saying was true and that that was not who they were and that it is not at all now about if I do right, I'm good. If I do wrong, I'm bad. It is about loving relationship. That's it. And and if you seek and do your best, None of us ever do it right to be in loving relationship, to fix the things we need to fix, to say I'm sorry, to say I forgive you, whatever. If we get it, that it's not about right and wrong, it's about loving relationships versus what's in it for for me, fear-based. It's all about results, et cetera. Okay? Um. Here's what happens. I do what I feel like is sin, so I did wrong. I am bad. That creates fear, all right, because because the result of sin is death, okay, or, or torture or punishment or whatever. That creates stress. And that creates health problems, failure, unhappiness, living two lives where I pretend to be one way, but inside I'm really something else, etc. And not only does religion work that way, but the laws of the land work that way. If you're convicted of a DUI, if you're convicted of this or that, ooh, you're a bad person or you're not as good as the people who've not been convicted of that. And we sort of judge people like that, right? Well, if you're right with God, that's wrong. Now, you may still you may still get put in jail. You may still have punishment from the laws of the land based on that system of justice. But who you are, your identity, if you're right with God will never be bad, no matter what you do or don't do. For most people, the concept of grace is a head concept, not a heart concept. That's why they can't live it.
because they don't really believe it. It doesn't really make sense that I could do bad and still be good. It even goes against my seek pleasure and avoid pain programming. So we don't believe it and feel it in our heart, even if we accept it intellectually. We've got to get to our heart that it's all about love. It's not about law and doing right, being good, doing wrong, being bad. If you're right with God, you are truly free. In the only definition of free that matters, at least in my opinion. And it all starts with believing a lie. The lie is where we started today. If I do this, I'm bad. If I do this, I'm good. Ladies and gentlemen, it's a lie. If you're right with God. How many of you are thinking, feeling, believing, and acting on a lie? How many of you are feeling, thinking, believing, and acting on the truth which is, it's all about love, not right, not wrong. Think about it this week. Meditate, pray, get out the tools, start to work on fixing those lies, eliminating the fear and stress, and remind yourself over and over and over, and pray and meditate and seek to be right with God and live in love.